friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Happy Valentine's Day, No Wrong Turns listeners. Hey listeners, I have a Valentine's Day ask for all of you. Can you guys take a few short seconds to give our podcast a five-star rating and write a little review? When you do this, that helps people to be able to find the podcast easier on iTunes, Google Play, or the Spotify platform that it's on. It has been so awesome to see how the podcast has grown, and I know that you guys can help it to reach even more people. Welcome to our seventh episode. Today on the podcast, we have Isabel Olson. I met Isabel through my mom's volunteer work at the Salt and Light Coalition. The Salt and Light Coalition is a grassroots movement that mobilizes individuals and organizations to heal, educate, and empower youth and women in the fight against slavery. Today on the episode, Isabel will first share with us her story and then how and through her story she developed her passions for both yoga and helping youth and women combat human trafficking. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Isabel's passion for yoga was able to be developed into a vehicle for transformation for helping others. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something here in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Isabel. All right. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. And this week we have Isabel Olson on the podcast, and she is going to just share her story and her passion with us. So welcome, Isabel. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to be on my uh, new podcast. Thank you for having me. So if you could just introduce yourself to the listeners, maybe just a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Sure. Uh, so my name is Isabel Olson. I'm the founder and CEO of Salt and Light Coalition. We are a nonprofit here in Chicago that uh, provides workforce development training for women who have been trafficked. I was born and raised in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, but now Ooh. I am a transplanted Chicagoan. <laughs> Very nice. When did you move to Chicago? I moved to Chicago about 10 years ago after I married my husband, Tony. Oh, I, so you guys met in Brazil as well? Yes, we met in Brazil and then we dated long distance for about seven years. Seven years, that's a long time. Yeah, I know. Wow. I have um, a lot of patience. I can see that seven years. I just can't get over that. That's so long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you were in Brazil, did you go to school there as well? Yeah, you are a doctor. You have your yeah. doctorate. So I was actually I'll tell you a little bit of my life story. Great. Thank um, you. So I was born and raised in uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, as I said. My father was a lawyer and political activist, um, and my mom, uh, she stayed home with me. She never really went to college, but she was a great mom. She was always there. My life was great. I was raised middle class, uh, but when I was about you know, 12 years old, everything changed. Uh, my father was actually incarcerated by the government for fighting for the laborers of Brazil. 
they really had no evidence against him, but he nonetheless went to jail for nine years with wow. no parole, no way out. Like he just, you know, went to jail. Uh, and, you know, I, I was about 12 at the time and lived that life, became homeless. My mom didn't really have a means to support me at the time. We were going, you know, from friend's house to friend's house. It was kind of crazy. My life kind of spun out of control when I was about 17 years old. So at 15, going back, I actually got a scholarship to come to America as a young dancer and dance at the Herod Conservatory, which is in Florida. It's a very prestigious boarding school for dancers. But when I was 17, I met this Cuban con artist who kind of gave me all the attention that I was looking for, probably uh, from my own father, but didn't have at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, except that, you know, unbeknownst to me, without my knowledge, he was the, on the most wanted list for the FBI. Whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, two years later, he left me alone, broken and pregnant. So at 18, I became a single mom Wow. and I was depressed. I was full of anxiety and my life was a mess. But something clicked when I had my son, and that's when I started going to college in Brazil. Um, Wait, so I have a question. Do were yeah. you uh, you met him in Florida? And, yeah. Or, oh, okay, and then you you went back to Brazil. Yeah, I went back to okay. Brazil when I had my son, so that I could okay, have the just, support of my family. Okay, yeah. just checking. Yeah. So I became a single mom at 18, like I said, um, but I, because something clicked. I was depressed. I was anxious uh, with, every, you know, because I was left. Mm-hmm. And, but something kind of clicked when, when I looked at my son's eyes when he was born. And, you know, I wanted to do something for him. And so I decided to get a degree in education because in Brazil, when you're a teacher at private schools, your child can go to that school for free. And I couldn't afford to put him through any good schools. But if I was a teacher and I spoke really good English, so I knew it could be maybe an English teacher or something, I knew he could get a scholarship. So I went through four years of school, got my degree in education and started working as a teacher. Years later, I got my master's, ended up here in Chicago at Northwestern University where I got my doctoral degree. Um, and I was that in, oh, sorry. Was that in education as well? So my doctoral degree is in something called learning sciences, which is kind of a hybrid degree that kind of studies how people learn. Um, but it does through the lenses of, uh, education, um, theory, but also anthropology and psychology. So my thesis was kind of done in the era of cognitive science on how people think about the economic system. But I went into Northwestern really believing that I was going to change the world, you know. But, you know, six years went by and I felt like I hadn't really made not even a little dent. (laughs) And I felt very, very frustrated. Um, I felt like I was in the wrong place. I really wanted to do something where I was shaping change. And I just didn't really think that I was doing much. Um, So I remember like finishing my degree and like going through my job search, but kind of going through the motions, not really feeling like I was meant to be there. I just felt like I had to do it because, you know, I had gone, I got this free ride for five years 
And now I felt like I had to give it back to my advisor and he expected me to become a professor. And, um, and so I wasn't happy, but then at that same time, I found out that my yoga teacher had been, um, teaching yoga at the Cook County jail. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting (laughs) because my father, you know, he was incarcerated and, that population is a population that kind of, you know, that I had something in common with. And mm-hmm. I was like, you have to take me. I want to shadow you. I want to see what you do. So I started going to the Cook County Jail with my yoga teacher. And I was also a yoga teacher because yoga is my other passion. And I started teaching yoga at the jail. And, you know, lo and behold, um, years later, uh, that kind of turned into little by little Salt and Light Coalition. And... It was kind of the beginning of what I do today. Wow. Yeah. So when you got your doctorate, uh, was that be- was that already after you moved to the United States? Or was that... Yeah. Um, be- okay. Yeah. Just trying so, to keep up with the timeline. Yeah. So when my son was about two years old, I actually met my current husband. And we dated long distance for about seven years. And then after seven years, I gave him an ultimatum, told him, okay, <laughs> let's, either we get married or we're done. You know, it's been seven years. So we ended up getting married. I moved to the United States and that's when I applied to go to Northwestern. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So you were a teacher up until the point that you came to the States? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I'm kind of getting your, the timeline down mm-hmm. here. Awesome. So... What happened from when you were getting working at the the Cook County Jail teaching yoga to how you got to Salt and Light Coalition? Can you tell a little bit yeah. how you how it how you learned about how you thought about starting it and kind of what were the, I can tell the 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 little parts in your story that kind of made a great foundation, but what was kind of like the catalyst? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. When I went into the Cook County Jail and I taught for the first time yoga, something within me just came alive. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Cook County Jail, but you go in there and, you know, women are kind of being forced to take your class. They don't really want to be there. They give you a hard time. They'll make, you know, jokes and make you feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And but within that hour after teaching, you know, I teach a yoga type called holy yoga which is a christ-centered yoga within that one hour you just see so much change in the women you know they are like they they, something shifts in them and they look at you they're like oh when are you coming back again i really like this like what what just happened (laughs) and i just remember my heart coming alive and so i kept doing that for about two years and within those two years i had been learning a lot of you know statistics about the women at the cook county jail And one of the statistics that called my attention was that 70% of the women in the Cook County Jail at that time were there under the charges of of trafficking or something that is trafficking related. So Mm -hmm. what I felt really upset about is that women are victimized the first time by this men or women. Nothing Mm -hmm. will happen to the perpetrator. And then they will go to jail and be victimized again by society. And then what happens is that they're trafficked before the age of 15, uh, 30% of them before the age of 15, 60% of them before the age of 18. So they never get an education. They have no job history and they have a record. So it is impossible for you to gain employment. 
So with that in mind, I was like, you know what? I need to do something about this. Uh, I don't know. I just started feeling this weird thing that I had to do something about this. And one day I walked out of jail and I felt like an audible voice telling me to start a, an organization that would help trafficked women. So wow. uh, having heard that and I, knowing that I'm not schizophrenic or anything, <laughs> I, <laughs> I started reaching out to organizations here in Chicago that um, sh uh, provide shelter to trafficked women. Mm -hmm. And I asked them to teach holy yoga. And the place that would allow me to do this was called New Life Covenant Church. Mm -hmm. I started going there and teaching yoga to those women. And then what I saw was a gap. And the gap was that women are being trafficked, like I said, before the age of 18. They have no job history, no education and records. And then they're giving shelter. Uh, they're helped out, out of their situation. But nobody's educating them. Nobody's giving them, you know, workforce development tips. And then if nobody is giving them that and they have no experience, they will probably never be able to get a job. And so they'll go into this vicious cycle that is just never ending. And the way to break that cycle is to train them for jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I started telling everybody that I knew that I was going to start this workforce development program with this component of healing and we're going to do yoga. And to be honest with you, at first I had no idea what I was doing at all. Like I mm -hmm. seriously did not know what I was doing, <laughs> but I just kept talking. And then when I kept talking, <laughs> things started happening in a very mysterious way. You know, people are like, Oh, I'll do your 501c3. I'll fill the papers out for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I met this judge and she came behind me and she started advocating for me and giving me some certain contacts. And then from that point on, in six months, we were in operations. Wow. Yeah. That's so quick. I think when mm -hmm. things happen that quickly, it's definitely, you, know, you have to look back and say, wow, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you. Oh, for sure. With all of those steps in there. So one question I had um, was, could you explain the difference between regular yoga and holy yoga. I know you touched on that, but mm -hmm. just what are the main differences? Sure. So yoga is the yoking of body, mind, and soul. Um, it's an experience of being present and being this blissful state of yoga. The difference, I think, with holy yoga is that we're yoking body, mind, and the trinity, the spirit of the trinity, so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's really a moment of presence with your Savior, with the Lord. That's kind of my description of what holy yoga is. So do you use like scripture or I don't know? Do There's like, different when ways. When you're going through it, is that part of the practice or I'm not sure. Yeah. What I'm asking, but yeah. <laughs> So we, some, yeah, so sometimes you can use scripture during meditation. Sometimes you, you kind of unpack that scripture, mm -hmm. but it's all based on the Bible, on, um, on what, you know, God tells us for sure. Okay. Just wanted to hear about a little bit about the differences. Today's sponsor ad is brought to you by the No Wrong Turns Pod. During the No Wrong Turns Pod, 
we like to take a minute to highlight products and services that we like and enjoy. We are looking for more businesses and possible products to sponsor our show. Do you have a small business or a side job? If you're interested in having your company or product sponsored here on the pod, please send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook at no wrong turns pod or send us an email at no wrong turns pod at gmail.com. All right, back to Isabel's story. So can you tell us a little bit more about what your organization has turned into and um, the program that you are running? So, okay. So basically we kind of have developed and grown since that first, you know, beginning in 2017. What happened was that I started doing this work uh, or of workforce development with the women And the work that I do is really, really, really hard because it's all of, you know, this mental work of relearning that you are worth it, of relearning that, you know, that they are beautiful and that they deserve more in life. And it's really hard work when you're working with women that have been super traumatized. And so I wanted to do more than just provide workforce development training. I wanted to, you know prevent this from happening altogether. So now we have three initiatives and the first initiatives is called uh, Empower and it, sorry, the first initiative is Empower and I'm working on a curriculum to be delivered by by school teachers here in Chicago. So right now uh, we are testing this curriculum with about 10 teachers in the CPS here in Chicago. Oh, wow. Um, and the idea is to create awareness against trafficking while also teaching kids activism. So they basically learn about trafficking and then they kind of diffuse that, um, defound that information in their own communities. And we have an activism um, competition at the end. Uh, then we have uh, an initiative called Educate, where we are using uh, partnerships in other countries to open schools that will educate kids in, in, in countries that are sources to trafficking. Our first school opened in Myanmar in 2018 in partnership with Empowering International. We're hoping to open um, 10 schools in 10 years. Wow. Yes. Oh, so the third initiative is an initiative called HEAL, and it's a 12-month workforce development program for survivors of trafficking, where basically we spend six months through a restoration of body, mind, and soul, and we do that uh, through a structured curriculum that takes women through the eight tenets of faith and explore things like the idea of love, grace, hope, service, justice, peace, and um, after they go through the six months, they drop about 25% in their depression scores and 20% in their anxiety scores. Wow. And then we, we enter um, workforce development, which is another six months. We are fully volunteer run and the women get stipends of $10 an hour to participate in our program. And then at the end, if they um, are able to pass on five job competencies that we are assessing them the whole time, 
their place in jobs with our uh, employment partners. So those are the three initiatives that we have. So at the end of the 12 months, then they come out with um, skills and they're certified in teaching yoga, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And a job is guaranteed. Uh, so it's not guaranteed to everyone. They, ba- they have to basically pass uh, five job competencies. So we are always assessing them in time management, professionalism, engagement. Um, we want to know if they're trying to improve the skills they have. So we're constantly, you know, assessing them for mm-hmm. the candidates that go through the program and they do well. We do place them in jobs. The job is guaranteed. If not, they're not placed in jobs. Then they have to do their own job search, which we do have time for and we guide them through it, but they have to land their own jobs. Wow. So yeah. are the jobs that they're being placed in, is it mm-hmm. for teaching um, yoga or is it from le- the other things that they learned during the program? So we actually use yoga as a tool in our job training to develop assertiveness. Okay. A lot of women, that when they're trafficked, they're physically told not to speak. So when they come into the program, their walls are up. They have a very hard time communicating. And mm-hmm. so we, we, for you to teach yoga, you have to be very specific, very assertive, very direct, and very concise, which are great communication skills. So we use that course to develop those skills. Now, if the woman wants to teach yoga, she can. And she can uh, get her uh, certification. But we don't expect all of the women that go through our program to teach yoga. So, for oh. example, we do have uh, two or three yoga teachers from our graduates. Mm-hmm. But most women actually do not teach yoga. Most women are either in jobs in the kitchen or they're office managers or they're front desk people. We basically look at what their abilities are, their personalities, what they do well with, and we try to place them in the job that is good for them. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Yeah. So sorry when I interrupted you earlier, but could you tell us a little bit more about the um, education schooling um, that you were talking about earlier for the second initiative? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to, so 50% of the people that are trafficked here in Chicago are from Chicago and 50% are smuggled into the country are people that are co- from coming from Asia or South America, Africa. So we want to educate people uh, so that they never fall prey to traffickers. And we're doing that by opening schools with partnerships in other countries. So as I said, our first school opened in Myanmar with um, a partnership with Empower International. And uh, we're hoping to open another 10 in 10 years. So does, is that, so that part is, so at the schools, are they teaching about human trafficking or it's just a good school that's also teaching about human trafficking? Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So it is a school where they're trying to advance their education, uh, where we're trying to provide better education than they would otherwise in a public school. And they're teaching about trafficking. So we have a trafficking specialist in Thailand who is going to start teaching our curriculum, our HEAL curriculum for trafficking survivors. And she is going there to teach about trafficking and to provide them with education so that the kids there 
will never fall prey to traffickers. Wow. I haven't heard of an organization that's kind of has like multifacets like that of going to um, commonly trafficked countries Mm -hmm. to have education there. Is that something that is common or would you say, I'm, Uh, I'm just not familiar with that. No, I don't think it's common. We just want to use education as a vehicle for that. I have a background in education. Obviously, I'm passionate about education. And mm-hmm. we just found the right partner. And th- their their mission is to empower and educate um, people. And so we just are working together and bringing both of our missions together. Very, very awesome. So I just kind of wanted to pivot uh, a little bit and see with uh, human trafficking, are there, I just wanted to know and if there are any myths that you had heard about or things that people commonly believe are true that you have found that aren't true, but um, the majority of people are uh, believing? Mm -hmm. I think a big myth for us, particularly here in the U.S., one is that trafficked people are people coming from Russia or from Asia. 50% of people that are trafficked are actually people that are born and raised here in the United States of America. So just in Chicago, 25,000 women and girls are being trafficked each year from Chicago. And that is something that is a myth that people think it's not true. But the truth is that it's happening everywhere, right underneath our noses, and we don't see it. What, what else? So that's one... Oh, the other, the other myth is that people will often think that trafficking only happens to uh, low-income uh, people, and that is also not true. Uh, what's happening nowadays is traffickers are targeting kids through the Internet, so 42% of people that get trafficked meet their traffickers online, and they're just looking for certain vulnerabilities. And yes, one of the vulnerabilities is, you know, lack or need, um, financial need. But, you know, he's also looking for a low self-esteem, uh, depression, anxiety, emotional um, vulnerabilities, or lack of a family uh, unit or community or protection. So, you know, traffickers are targeting kids from all uh, social strata. Wow. that. Those are good to kind of debunk and raise more awareness to. I think the statistic you said of 25,000 mm-hmm. is something that is just kind of hard to fathom because that's so many and mm-hmm. it's right in yeah. like, your backyard, basically. Yeah, that's two women of each hour of each day. Wow. Yeah. It feels really tangible when you put mm-hmm. it like that. Yeah. So it kind of seems a little sometimes, especially hearing those statistics, um, might seem a little bit overwhelming for people and challenging and maybe too much uh, for people to handle. Do you think people, uh, what, would, what suggestions would you give to people who are finding learning these statistics and more things about human trafficking overwhelming um, and not having a response to it? Do you have any um, suggestions for them? Mm-hmm. I think that anything that is worth 
you know, taking on is going to be overwhelming and it's going to be challenging and difficult. And how you deal with that is, just, is, is that you take one step at a time and you just try to do what you can. Maybe you can't open an offer profit tomorrow, but you can volunteer at one. For example, we are fully volunteer run, right? Maybe you can't, you know, save everyone, but what you can do today, for example, um, there are certain brands that are known for using um, slave labor. Find out online what those are and stop buying them. That's a simple step that anybody can do. Buying coffee that is fair trade, simple step anyone can do. So just find out the small steps that you can take in your everyday life that are going to have in the end a big impact in someone that is very tangible. I think those are some great suggestions. And the first one that you said about just taking a step And that sounded like how you started off Mm -hmm. with just taking a step and going to volunteer at the jail and then taking another step and going to find um, an organization that you could teach yoga at. So Mm -hmm. those small steps clearly like helped you along the way as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any other um, advice for someone who's wanting to learn more about human trafficking and maybe where another place that they could start if they're specifically interested in learning about human trafficking and what they could do. Mm -hmm. So there's so many organizations in Chicago now that are coming together to fight human trafficking. So I recommend people just go online and Google it and attend the events. There is a task force against trafficking in the city of Chicago now. Join us, you know, find out more really search those organizations online and support them. Um, We're out here, we're fighting the fight, and we are always looking for support. So specifically with the Salt and Light Coalition, what kind Mm -hmm. of volunteers do you look for? Mm -hmm. So we're pretty much, I would say, 90% volunteer run. Um, We are a very small staff of three. I'm a volunteer myself. And then I have a psychotherapist and an operations person. Everybody else is a volunteer. So we need volunteers of all shapes and sizes and abilities and talents. So from scheduling to helping us with the Christmas list to coming in and cooking with volunteers, teaching a yoga class or teaching some sort of class to the, to the women, maybe fitness, maybe improv, Today we had somebody teach spoken word. We can really utilize any talent, get in contact with us, and we would really love to utilize your time and talent. Awesome. So can you tell where, is it just saltandlightcoalition.com? Or mm-hmm. Yeah, if you'd like to volunteer, you can go to www.saltandlightcoalition.com and then just click on volunteer and fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you. Awesome. That's a great next step. Mm-hmm. So to end all of the interviews, I am asking the same question and that is what is fueling you today and um, what's fueling your passion? So this could be anything from a new coffee drink to a book to a new favorite part of town that you found. What's fueling you today? 
Yeah. So what fuels me today and every day is just witnessing the transformation of women. I, it's the honor of my life to just see women transform. And there is this one day for each woman at Salt Lake Coalition when something clicks and it's almost like a light goes on and they start glowing and they're smiling more. Something mm. happens one day and I'm always looking for that day. I'll tell you a quick story. So I remember this one girl and I'll change her name for, you know, confidentiality reasons. Mm-hmm. But Jessica, when I interviewed her, I remember looking, she was in the first cohort of Salt Lake Coalition. And um, it was my first, one of my first interviews. And I remember looking at her and thinking, am I over my head? Her <laughs> shoulders were curved. She looked depressed. She looked like she could not be reached. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm looking at this woman. I was scared. You know, she's looking at me like this girl's crazy. And <laughs> I almost didn't accept, I did not accept her into the program, but this is an experimental program at the time. We don't know if it's really going to work. It's not like I could get a lot of candidates. She ended up in the first cohort of Solnite Coalition. And I remember there was the one day about six months into the program where this woman came and she was just glowing. Like she looked different. She was smiling. It was almost like, I don't know, like she was just like really shining. Um, and I told her, I said, you know, Jessica, something changed about you. I can't put my hand on it, but you just look like you're glowing. And she said, Isabel, yeah, I went and I saw my mother this weekend. And she told me that she looked at me and she finally sees her daughter again. Wow. And that, I think that, that story captures the kind of transformations that I see on a day-to-day basis. And that's what fuels my passion today. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, no problem. I think it's great to see, be able to see kind of a tangible change. And it's just crazy how much that, how much that can happen. And after a visit or when it finally just clicks after weeks or months. Right. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Isabel, um, for being on the No Wrong Turns podcast and (laughs) uh, for sharing about Salt and Light Coalition. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye, Audrey. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Isabel. It was awesome to see how Isabel's passion for yoga is able to be used as a tool to develop assertiveness in women. And from that, how she was able to use her life's turns and experiences to develop the Salt and Light Coalition. I hope that we were all encouraged today about how Isabel was able to use her passion and further it through her other interests one step at a time. I love how Isabel encouraged us to simply take the the next step, no matter how small, but to keep researching and taking it a step further. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. See the show notes for our music credits.